Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, the Seattle Sports app. That's Rob Benzie, Joey Pyburn to my right, and Matt Nelson running the board. I'm Tom Nelson. Thanks for tuning in this morning. So go check out Vortex Op- VortexOptics.com, V-O-R-T-E-X. Um, basically, anything you do outside that you want to look at, get closer to, understand, pick apart, um, we've been using this this gear for a long, long time. I actually picked up a, a Razor Red Dot this week, and it's a quick acquisition site. Do you know anybody that ever uses those on a shotgun? Turkey hunters? For yeah, him? I've seen them turkey on, hunters, on yeah. turkey yeah. guns, for sure. I yeah. just, you know, I I wouldn't mind taking one out and kind of messing with around waterfowl. But, you know, I mean, you're always around a lot of water and stuff like that. It'd be a, what? L- a little bit. Dude, no. why not? No, you're not running one on your waterfowl gun. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be cool, yeah. man. You know, but if, if it was a dry deal, like a goose hunt or something like that, it's just they're they're maybe pretty, if you let them land. Okay. I think you oh, need okay. to let them land in the decoys. Is that, is that where you're getting that's at? In head shoot them. That's I think like a turkey. Yeah, that, he's getting at that. That's right never, now. Yeah. never, never a bad plan. Well, I mean, it's you a know, quick, it's a quick, the way, Nelly. quick acquisition site right there. So, uh, so what, what are you going to run when we when we go on our Idaho hunt? Because I'll for, probably run my theories okay. because I don't want to carry that. You know, my my standalone rangefinder. And we're in big country, man. I mean, I like to scan around and and look at ranges. And because those Furies, everything you see, you can just push the button and boom, I got a range on it. And then I don't have two pieces of equipment I'm dealing with. bingo. Right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're ranging stuff at 500 yards, 600 yards, it's really hard to keep that thing still. That little standalone range finder, you got to hold it perfectly still to get a range. I'm I'm bringing my Furies. I've been running that 4,000 range finder Mm -hmm. and... Working good I, for I you? like it. Yeah. yeah. And it you can go you can reach way out there and and get a good range. And in that big country, dude, I'm I'm running those twelve by fifty UHDs. Well, here's the deal. Those UHDs, the optics in those things are sick. They they're are they're awesome. crystal clear. So and they're nice to hold on to. Yeah. So you got a great point there, because I miss I miss looking through those things and, mm-hmm. and scanning around when we're sitting up there for eight hours, sitting up on top of a big ridge. We're gonna be at ten 10,000, 10, 5, something like that, way up high, sitting on top of this big ridge, glass in this huge valley. Those UHDs are pretty nice to look through for the whole day. I ran those Furies for the last, like, three years, and I love them, okay? They're, yeah. they're great to glass. That That's also a crystal clear glass with that rangefinder in there. They're money. But uh, I got those UHDs this year, and I'm addicted. I, I, I wish... Obviously, I wish that you could have a rangefinder in those twelve powers. It just doesn't. They, yeah, it doesn't no, work. it doesn't work. But, yeah. Um, yeah, man, those things are crystal clear. They're the clearest set of binos I've I've had for a long time. So normally, what I do is I carry my lightweight spotter with my Furies. So if I see something way out, okay, we want to go get it. I mean, it's you know a mile, two miles away, whatever it is. And then I pull out the spotter, we throw the spotter mm-hmm. on it. But the spotter is an extra three, four pounds. Yeah. Plus I got Plus to have a tripod. tripod. Everything else was. They've got a new carbon fiber tripod that's sweet. I just used it on that uh, that caribou hunt up there. I, I think I shed it. I, I dropped a pound off of my total weight running that thing. Um, 
you know, but I'm not looking through those UHDs. With the UHDs, you got to carry a rangefinder, but you're going to bring your. I can let you carry the rangefinder. You carry <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah, we'll run yours. I'll bring my UHDs and my little spotter. And uh, but one thing you were doing uh, a couple of years ago, Joe, you were running 18 power binoculars, leaving the spotter yeah. at home, not even running the spotter. And that worked really good. You got a really narrow field of view so that, you know, the, the 10s They're, and the 12s and the 18s, the, the bigger the number, the narrower the field of view. But you were spotting stuff way out, and then you didn't have to carry that spotter with you. Yeah, and those 18s are, it's it, it's hard. If I don't take a spotter, then the 18s are great in that big country where you could, when you're looking at like 1,000 to 1,500 yards away, the the field of view is perfect, you know, and you can really zoom in. But... A lot of the time you're in that like two to five hundred range and and I ran those and it's a you little can't see enough. Yeah, you can't you really have to yeah. like but you can pick stuff apart pretty well. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean eighteens are you know, they're pretty cool to have if you're in that big country and, you, and like you said, sometimes you're looking two miles away at another a whole nother ridge system. You're but, gonna want big glass. Yeah, what big glass means? Big glass. You want to. You want those adapt that that tripod adapter on there too. Here on the Just, west side, you know, your tens and twelves are gonna work good. You're looking at stuff a hundred to maybe three, four hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of these bigger cuts, you're gonna you're gonna be out there a little ways. But generally, that standalone rangefinder with with some. Uh, you know, some good binocs are going to cover everything. And, and honestly, most of the stuff you're going to shoot here on the west side for blacktails is going to be 50 to maybe 300 yards at the most. Do you even need a rangefinder? You know, if you're no. if you're rifle hunting, I mean, no. you're going to be you're going to be well within range of anything. Uh, you do a little holdover, you know, kind of guesstimate what it is. You're you're gonna you're but, gonna knock. But that that's where the down. Furies are nice because you're gonna have yeah. binoculars. Then yeah. you have a ten power binocular with the rangefinder yeah. in yeah. it if you do need it. Yeah. And then the rangefinder for me just it it's like. Um, it keeps me interested in stuff. It does. I'm, it's, I'm always ranging. Well, oh, what's you, that range? You, you learn things about the country by knowing the exact range. And 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 with the Fury HDAB, the applied ballistics, you can you can get that. To, and, and you know your bullet drop immediately, right? And and so that's huge too because some of the long range bombers that, that Browning's you know working with these days, a six point eight Western, a six five PRCs, and you're you're it's extended hunting ranges, but only if you know the exact range and you practice at those. Ranges. I'm running that new uh, Mountain Pro six point eight yeah. Western with um, uh, the lightweight Hunter Tactical uh, Vortex go four and a half to twenty two. Uh, it's got a mill dot dial. We just started dialing last year. Joe and I always fought this off, you know, get within three, 400 yards and, and knock them down. Well, last year we started practicing at, at really, really long ranges and kind of learned how to dial. Huh, opened up a whole new world. Yeah, for sure. I dialed on that caribou up in Alaska, you know, 312 yards or whatever, dialed it in and wham, knocked the sucker right down. And, and a Chris... He was shooting a 264 wind mag. <laughs> that's His an caribou old, yeah. literally lifted off yeah. and didn't go but an inch. That's, that's incredible. In, that's interesting because yeah. that's that's really what the precursor to the with, 6.5 series. Yes, it with really a 120 is. grain bullet. Yeah, a yeah. small yeah. little bullet. bullet just smoked. Laser beam. Yes, just just hammered that caribou, knocked yeah. it down. But like uh, 3,000 feet per second, 3,300 like, feet 3, per second with a custom load. It's, yeah. a, it's a belted mag. And I found Ooh. when we were field dressing. That animal, and I found the bullet in there. It was all still, all together. 120 grain bullet, all still. It performed beautifully. Hmm. Uh, anyway, just off in the weeds here on that deal. But but that's that system of ours now, where we're dialing with 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 those scopes. It's so easy. Find the range. 
Um, I actually made my screensaver. Actually, I'll yeah. show it to you right here. My screensaver is my ballistics chart on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to open anything up. I just look at, at the front of the phone. Boom, I got the, so, I got it on there. Dial it right here. Boom. I'm Off so used go. to Butler Crick scope caps that I made mine on a round piece of card and stuck it inside the scope cap. So I yeah. hit it, pop, scope cap comes up. I see the ranges. And then and then you just know how many clicks you need to go up for dead on. and just. But it, when... To learning how to use that forces you to go, go to the range and do more stuff than you normally would, which is fun, too. I, I mean, you know, I'll probably, no, Rob, probably hook up Rob with you at the I, range. I almost had more fun on our hunt last year after we killed our deer <laughs> laying, laying in the dirt, shooting at rocks at six, 700 yards. Yeah, and yeah. it's so fun to shoot, and then it's so far away that you can get back on it and see the bullet hit. <laughs> Yeah. It's opened up like, a whole new big, world. Yeah, center fire. Old school hunters. Center yeah. fire plinking. Yeah, oh, no man. question about it. Yeah, All right. Yeah, We're going to pop out of here for a quick break. Coming up next, a critically acclaimed award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Taking your safety seriously for over 70 years. Fishing for salmon and steelhead closed down today on most of the coastal rivers due to extremely low water conditions. Around 50 of the coastal rivers from the northern Olympic Peninsula to Willapa Bay are affected by the closure. The only areas that remain open are the East Van Grays Harbor, the Chehalis River downstream of Fuller Bridge, and Willapa Bay. The lower Willapa and Nacelle Rivers will remain open for hatchery Chinook and Co. Fishery managers say the coastal rivers will reopen when river conditions improve. Modern Fire and Opener one week away. The Modern Fire and Openers is one week away here in Washington on the east side of the mountains. The season runs from October 15th through the 25th. Select units in Northeast Washington will be open for whitetail hunting through October 28th. The late whitetail occurs November 5th through the 19th in Northeast Washington with the late hunt occurring on the west side of the mountains November 17th through to the 20th. Roughly 60% of the blacktails are taken each year on late buck in western Washington. Waterfowl seasons also kick off next Saturday, October 15th. Duck season runs from October 15th through the 23rd closes for a few days and then reopens again on October 26th. The brief pause in the season gives waterfowlers extra time at the end of January to harvest birds when the migration is underway. Duck season runs through January 29th in Washington. Goose seasons also kick off next Saturday and hunters need to check the WDFW regulations to see which days are open in each area of the state. Hunters have just two weeks left to get their bird dog in shape for the Eastside Upland Bird Opener on October 22nd. The season runs from October 22nd through January 16th. Pheasant release sites are already open in western Washington and hunters need to check the regulations to see which days of the week pheasants are released on each pheasant release site on the west side. WDFW just approved eight days of Razor clam digging on three of the four coastal beaches after test showed the clams are safe to eat. The dig started today and will run through October 14th, the opportunity to dig at Long Beach, Twin Harbors, and Copalis beaches. Each beach isn't open every day, so be sure to check the WDFW website before you head out. 2,700 razor clammers hit the beach in last week's opener and found easy digging. Milk Rocks Beach still hasn't passed the test for toxin levels, and it remained closed for this round of digs. Malachi Lawrence at John Sporting Goods in Everett says they've been getting good crabbing reports since it opened. He said the best crabbing he's heard of has been the Mukateo area. He said there's probably also crab at Mission Bar, Hat Island, and Columbia Beach also. Salmon carcasses and raised bait crab blocks are working working best, and Malachi said to target 25 to 80 feet of water for best results. He likes to put at least 10 pounds of BOMAC weights in his pots to keep them still while they sit on the bottom. Crabbing is open from now through the end of the year in marine areas 4 through 9 and that area north of Aok Point in marine area 12 in Hood Canal. 
Here's some big news. NOAA just released a draft report on rebuilding runs of endangered salmon and steelhead on the Columbia River, and it includes the removal of the lower four dams on the Snake River. The draft report states that the lower portion of the Snake River needs to be returned to a free-flowing river to ensure the survival of plummeting salmon and steelhead runs there. Billions of dollars have been spent restoring endangered salmon and steelhead runs in the Columbia River Basin, and yet the runs continue to falter. Southern resident killer whales also depend on Columbia River salmon, and their numbers are also in decline. This part also calls for passage over Grand Coulee and Chief Joseph Dams on the Upper Columbia that would restore access to thousands of miles of salmon habitat. Cheating scandal rocks walleye fishing world. Two walleye anglers were nabbed for cheating in the Lake Erie Walleye Trail last week. Jake Runyon and Chase Comiskey were both caught in what could be the biggest tournament scandal of all time. While weighing their catch of walleye in recent tournament, an official noticed something suspicious about the fish upon cutting open the walleye. It was found that the two had stuffed the bellies full of lead weights and padded the bellies with walleye fillets to do avoid detection. The anglers have been on a big winning streak in the walleye series, winning a slew of tournaments and even a fishing boat on their way to amassing 300 grand. On a recent walleye fishing podcast, Runyon and Comiskey bragged about their winning streak, stating, that's what winners do, win. The two <laughs> anglers will have plenty of time to think about their actions as prosecutors consider potential felony charges for the two. The Northwest Outdoor Report has been brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Find the best in tires, brakes, wheels, batteries, shocks, struts, and more at LesSchwab.com. So these knuckleheads had <laughs> a sponsored boat, sponsored mm-hmm. engine, sponsored marine electronics, rods, reels, tackle storage systems, apparel, probably, probably truck, underwear, trucks. trucks, right? I mean, Dude, they had it all. Not no mo. Yeah, and they were on that podcast just right before oh, that, just dude. bragging about all their wins. You know, how, do, how have you done it? Well, you know, we're just, we're we're just winners. winners, man. We're yeah. winners, man. That's what we, That's do. What we do. We and, win. And they were talking about this tournament that they got caught in. Well, how, how do you think your chances are of winning this? We're going to win. We're going to win this. We got this. No problem. We're yeah. going to take this it's, one, too. It's hard to beat well, yeah. lead. Yeah, I know. Jeez. We used to do that. So we have a lot of groups that come fish with us in Alaska, you know, like uh, a group of 16 will come, maybe from a big company or something, and they'll have a little a little jackpot. Like, okay, who's going to get the biggest king or the biggest halibut? And so I would get like a 20-pound halibut, and I would like a muzzle loader, take my fish bunker, and I would take all my halibut lids and stuff the belly of that sucker. Yeah. You could see all the leads yeah. sticking out at me, and I'd turn that 20-pounder into like a 50-pounder, you know. <laughs> it was obvious what was going on, but, you know, that's a, fun That's with a it. joke, right. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but this but these is, guys, this is just crazy. I mean, these guys news, are idiots. Well, well and I, complete I don't, idiots. I mean, I, I didn't look into this, but I just talking to some people out there in the fishing world, they were like, yeah, now they're going back and they're looking at some of their bass oh, tournament yeah. wins, oh, yeah. and they're looking at the mm-hmm. bellies of these fish they're holding up, and they're like, yeah. boy, those bellies are awfully mm-hmm. big. These same guys won bass tournaments too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've, they've, yeah. Been, they've been around for a while, and so I actually shared a podcast that the tournament director, the guy, and he, dude, he looked like he'd just been. Th- th- these were this guy's friends mm-hmm. that were that were doing mm-hmm. them like that, and and the tournament they got caught at was actually a benefit for you know kids with cancer. So it's like, dude, there's so Send a much. Great example. Oh Way my to go, guys. gosh, dude. Yeah. yeah. So these guys are hosed. I mean, they they might as well go join the French Foreign Legion, you know? Or I mean, they'll, <laughs> they'll never get a dude. Walleye are held in high regard back there. Oh, for I sure. Mean, I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. those those guys are going to get... Also, definitely... the big news from NOAA on the, the lower four yeah. dams on the Snake River. 
Uh, obviously, they're not going to get torn down overnight, but here we go. Yeah. This is, these are interesting times here in the salmon world in the Northwest. So we'll, yeah, imagine, we'll see how this goes. Imagine being able to go over there and just kind of see some of that process. Mm-hmm. What's that going to look like? You know? oh, well, billions I mean, of dollars. When, yeah. they, when they first proposed this, Mike Simpson, a Republican. From uh, Idaho. Senator from Idaho, proposed this. He, you know, They figured it was going to cost uh, somewhere in the range of $35 billion, $33 billion, something like that. Of course, the price tag's gone up since then, but oh, yeah. that was just last year or the year before. Regardless, we're throwing billions, billions of dollars at, at salmon, salmon restoration well, already, and, and it's not working. And Buzz yeah. Buzz Ramsey says, you know, he asked the question, "How many billions have we spent on mm-hmm. extinction?" Yeah, right. And and so, and we're going to get Some Buzz point, on to you talk cut about your this. Losses and it move is, on, but, and, but and, it's just going to be very, very interesting to watch this all play right. out and see where, which way this well, goes. Well, and we saw a microcosm of this with the Glines Canyon Dam and the other one they removed on the Elwha, and, and how fast those fish have recolonized that upper watershed of, of, of the Elwan. And so that's been enough years now where we're watching those runs started, starting to build. Joey, you were on the Hanford Reach this week. That's the last free-flowing stretch of the Columbia. It produces a tremendous amount of those amazing upriver brights by allowing the snake to return to a free-floating, free-flowing state. We will see an increase in that particular stock of fish because – of the, of all the turnkey habitat, of ninety percent of the turnkey habitat left in the Columbia River Basin, Buzz Ramsey will tell you over three quarters of it is in Idaho, and and so, but you know, and I and I see the other side of the coin too, having been to Clarkston this week. And seeing all the infrastructure. Think about the massive whole, redevelopment oh of the gosh, entire their Columbia whole world Basin. changes. Oh. I mean, they got marinas and parks. It makes my heart natural, skip a beat to think about that massive redevelopment. Yeah, it's, it's all the transportation and the ports. Yeah. you know, the Port of Lewiston, all that stuff. All up the there, irrigation all for all the dams yeah. and all the farms it's and all. Crazy that stuff. to think about. It's doable. It's totally. Do you think about the billions we spend all over the place? Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> Maybe the chickens are going to come home to roost here, and we're going right. to see these runs come back, and we'll transform this whole area with with this redevelopment. But you know, and, and it'll be interesting. Right. So it's going to be that. That's where my position it's is be right fun now. To follow you know, along, just to watch. follow For along, sure. and see how this and, plays out. And as anglers and salmon advocates ourselves, I mean, in our heart of hearts, we want to see this happen. But you know, I don't want to see anybody lose their livelihood over this over this deal either. So it's it's going to be definitely interesting times. Going to be interesting times next weekend when we get our general hunt opener and what's going on in the sky. Gadget right now. I don't know anybody better to talk to you about this than Holiday Sports and Skagit Arms' very own Kevin John. Joining us next here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the Renaissance Marine Group.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. Welcome to the wheelhouse here on 710 ESPN's The Outdoor Line. So if Kevin John of Holiday Sports could hand pick a forecast for opening day it wouldn't be what we're going to see next week <laughs> I promise you that kevin john joining me show what's up kj what's up buddy good morning guys so uh what are your what are your waterfowling strategies for 70 degree weather for uh, the opener next week 73 75 uh, well you know like rob hit it on the head earlier uh water is going to be key uh, we certainly don't see much of that inland uh so it's really going to be a bayfront show so you know i would spend uh spend a little time getting out there and scouting around and, you know, seeing how stuff looks, you know, those river channels and everything change quite a bit every year, uh, you know, especially after that, that real high water that we had, you know, late in the year last year, things are going to look a lot different than what guys are accustomed to if they haven't been down there yet. Um, and that goes for anywhere we're talking, whether that's, you know, on the, 
on the Skagit or on the Stillaguamish mouth or the Snohomish mouth, any of that stuff, you really need to get out and, and lay eyes on it. So, uh, you know, this weekend would be a great time, good weather, uh, you know, take those binos out and start to start glassing up some birds, trying to figure out where you can get to, or better yet, put the boat in and run around. Um, but the water is, is the thing right now. Uh, we had a, a pretty decent local hatch, it seems like. Um, you know, this last week we've been starting to hear snow geese starting to come over with a little better frequency. There's not a pile of them down yet, but, um, you know, certainly, you know, starting to move at least. Uh, we had one of the kids in the shop, took a boat down to, uh, the South Fork, uh, middle of the week or early in the week, um, and ran around and they saw quite a few birds down there. Um, you know, pretty decent smattering of snows out on the bay and, you know, lots of pintails, some early teal, a couple of widgeon around. Um, so there's certainly some birds to play with. Uh, it, it would be nice if we were going to have uh, a little weather, um, you know, at least a little breeze uh, w- would certainly help things out. So, you know, looking at the forecast that we're looking at, uh, I would encourage you to dig through and find your lightest camouflage clothing you own. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, pack a whole bunch of water yeah, uh, and get out there real early, um, you know, Earlier and and later in the day are certainly going to be best. Uh, you won't see much moving midday. Uh, you know, go get lunch and then go back out type thing. Um, but uh, you know, I would get set up real early. Uh, you know, two three dozen decoys. You know, some mixed dabblers. Make sure you've got a bunch of teal stuff scattered in there. Um, we do have quite a few teal hanging out around here. Um, you know, as warm as we are, this is going to be one of the better years to find. Um, you know, occasionally we have a few cinnamons come through and a few blue wings. Uh, so, you know, put that one on your wishboard and, uh, um, you know, these first couple of weeks would be your chance to get her done probably. Um, but, uh, man, you know, jerk rigs and, and pull string decoys, uh, are going to be your friend early when it's like this. Uh, you know, I really like using jerk rig stuff. Um, you know, the more decoys you can dive to, to get some motion in your gear, the better off you are. Um, but, uh, you know, early and late is really going to be the big deal on that one. What's the best spinner setup, uh, that, that, that you found, uh, Kevin and, and then a jerk string setup too, cause you kind of ha- kind of have to have both of them going, uh, to make these spreads look alive, especially if there's no wind. I mean, we got a high of 73 overnight lows of, you know, 50 degrees, something like that. You're going to have to make that spread look really lifelike. What are the brands that you recommend people, people look at? You know, the, I really like the whip splash stuff. Um, those have held up really well. Um, and for for a solid jerk rig, it's got a a rubber band that's you know, easily replaceable with just you know standard surgical tubing on it. Um, and then they also make what they call a kick splash, which is uh, one that has like legs that'll beat the water and help to ripple stuff out. So those are really cool because they're solid contained units that hold up really well. Um, as far as a regular jerk rig goes, uh, you know, a lot of guys will make their own using just a small one pound fold up anchor. Um, you know, but basically you're gonna have a chunk of bungee rigged into there with a snap onto a decoy. Uh, and then, you know, a, a, a chunk of line that you can pull on. Um, I've played with these things a thousand different ways and it really just kind of depends on how far I'm packing and what I'm able to do. Uh, you know, if we were hunting sheet water in a field, uh, you know, I, I like to use like a spreader system so that I can hook up, uh, you know, four, five, six decoys at once and really make everything move and really get a lot of motion. I find myself out in the flats, um, especially early in the season because I'm doing more of the, the running gun type thing. Um, I'll take like a three pound anchor uh, and I put like a really big split ring on the top of the thing uh, that I can run my rope through. 
and I'll take like a super magnum decoy and just snap it onto that thing. And I can just throw it over my shoulder and keep it contained really easy. But it kind of turns it into a diver instead of a regular jerk rig setup. Kevin's got halibut so gear just, underneath his decoys. Yeah, man. Well, it works great. You can believe it. Wherever well, and dude, and on it, it'll move a lot of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is just just getting some water movement. You know, those ducks, they fly over, and you may have a great spread, but if it's the wind's not blowing and the they're the gla- the water's like glass. There's no movement there. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to come no, in, they stay, man. They smell a rat. Um, quick, you just need. You can, yeah. Like Kevin said, you just need to make some ripples on the water, and, and you can do that with one one decoy. You don't need to have a big, fancy jerk rig. How about anchor lines and stuff? I mean, when, you know, when I was a kid, it was just we'd spend more time in the morning untangling everything, <laughs> you know, getting everything unwound, and then you, you wanted to make sure that your anchor lines oh, blended in with the bottom. You didn't want to run, like, you know, a high-vis line, you know, on your decoy lines. You wanted it to blend it because they're flying overhead. Dude. They can see those lines all over. What 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 do you recommend guys run now? Because there's a lot of great products out now that make it so easy to rig up your deeks, man. Yeah, you know, the old uh, kite string doesn't work uh, no. as well as one might hope. Um, you know, I've I played with that stuff quite a bit. You know, I mean, even, you know, 15 years ago or something, we started making most of our decoy lines out of, like, 300-pound clear model, and we would crimp everything up. And since then, we've kind of seen that become, you know, almost an industry norm uh, where guys are using, you know, essentially black monofilament. It's a little different construction, but... Um, you know, so you can crimp all of that stuff on and Texas rigs and that type of thing. Um, so I've kind of switched most of my stuff over to, to Texas rigs because it's so easy to move things. Um, I, I'm a big running gun guy, especially early in the season. So if I can just grab a dozen decoys real quick, hold on to them all by the loop, uh, and everything just slides and is easy to do, I can dump them in a pile at my feet and just pick up a decoy at a time and pitch it where I want it. Uh, and that is the cleanest and easiest thing to do. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be using a bright, high-colored line, a no, uh, high-vis line, um, you know, especially out on the flats when the tide's dropping, you know, pretty quickly you've got decoys that are exposed if you're not out there moving them around. And, you know, having some, you know, bright yellow uh, weed eater line isn't exactly going to help you out a whole lot. Uh, concealment's kind of name of the game here. Dude, when I was a kid, my dad would get this white white twine and give me a gallon bucket of copper copper carcinogen and it was green right you dump the line in there and then i then you'd have to spread it out right and it just that that was because every year the line would rot right so i mean that stuff has come so far so i i just looked at the tides for the skagit flats sneeze point for for next weekend and we're going to have water all day it's going to be a nice little flood in the morning but there's going to be you know like water up in the cattails are, are they out there feeding do you ever try to get a, a stage of the tide where they're in and some areas go dry and, and get and you know they can they can get some exposed roots and, and the puddlers can chew on stuff how do you work the tides on the Skagit flats kevin john holiday sports all right well things are going to be a little different right now um so the tides are great to know uh but you also need to know the river level yeah um and that river level is really low Whoa. so if you've got it fresh in your mind what you did last year and you know that on a seven foot tide I could get to here, you're not going to be able to do that yeah, <laughs> um, currently. Um, so, you know, that's something that's really lost on a lot of guys is not paying attention to what the actual current river output is. Um, but, you know, if we're, if we're talking under normal circumstances, um, on, as the water comes in, those birds will start coming in and working their way back in closer and closer and closer to the river, kind of following the tide in. 
Uh, and as we get into a, a high tide, you know, where everything is saturated and covered up, um, you know, then those birds will start working further and further and further back into the marsh because they are getting in there and they're dabbling and diving down and, and feeding on, you know, sedges and everything else up in tight to the cattails. So, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys that wants to just sit in one spot and, and you know, shoot the four birds that I have the opportunity <laughs> to, to get. Uh, you know, I like to keep stuff pretty small early in the season. Um, and I, I don't necessarily have to stick and stay. So I would get up, get out there first thing, you know, I'd pay attention to what I see, you know, watch all those other boats that run down the river, see where they're kicking up birds and try to pay attention to where they're going. Um, and as stuff starts to happen, you know, be ready to move. Um, you know, there's been lots of times where those birds just do not want to come, you know, in towards the river. And I've taken six or eight decoys and waded out chest deep a half a mile offshore and set those things up and been able to effectively pass shoot birds that come in and swing by just those six decoys, uh, you know, well out of range of anybody else even being able to call at them. Um, so, you know, adaptability is really the name of the game early in the season, especially on a warm year like this. Real quick before we got to let you go, you mentioned the low flows coming out of the Skagit River. Of course, that just closed down all the coastal rivers uh, for coho fishing, but the Skagit is still open. How are guys catching those those low water coho up there? Because some of the some of the old guard up there in the Skagit are roping those cohos up there, but it's not easy. How are they getting them to go, man? So you know, last week was really good, like through Friday, uh, and then Saturday, Sunday stuff started getting a lot tougher. Uh, you know, everything's a little bit lower every day it seems like, and it is real clear. Um, fishing's been pretty good with all your standard stuff. So Vibraxes and plugs and weighted spoons and dick nights first thing in the morning. But once the sun comes out, uh, it really slows stuff down. Um, and so really the only guys that, have been, that are catching fish once we got some sun up are guys that are going really small, um, you know, small dick nights, thin bladed spoons, uh, Simon wobblers, uh, river wobblers, things like that, that they can drift fish, get a much smaller presentation going. Um, the days that we are either overcast or smoky um, tend to help us out, and they'll extend that bite quite a bit longer. Um, you know, y- yesterday I was still talking to guys that were catching fish around 10 or 11 o'clock, whereas, you know, a lot of the mornings it's been 8 o'clock if it's clear. Um, so first light, last light makes it a, a lot easier to do it. Um, further upriver, if we get up above Woolly, those fish are stacking up a little bit more. they got a little bit more water or some deeper holes anyway. Um, and, and twitching jigs are really starting to get rolling on that stuff. Um, you know, that, that's a, a super fun way to fish. Um, you know, those things typically come in three eighths and half ounce and, you know, half ounce is normally what we would sell to somebody that's trying to learn cause you can feel something a little bit. Um, but at this point you really want to be looking at like three eighths ounce stuff or even quarter ounce stuff. If you can, you know, find a jig you like in that weight, um, you know, a half ounce jig is going to go straight to the bottom and you're going to be fishing below the fish. The idea with a twitching jig is that you're pitching it out and you're working it through, you know, where the fish are. So it's in and out of their eyesight, you know, so you get those reactionary bites. Any, any uh, and that's pati- one of those things that they'll just jump on. Any particular color with the the low water with on the jigs? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we see a lot more guys looking for some of the subdued stuff. So we're looking at, you know, like nightmare, like black and red, mm-hmm. uh, you know, purple with, you know, some pink, black with some chartreuse, straight black. Um, you know, if we get a, early in the morning, um, you know, if we were to get a little water, I'd be looking at some of the brighter stuff. You know, typically, in my box, you'd see, you know, pink and black or, you know, bright pink and purple or, uh, you know, pink and chartreuse, you know, some some pretty vibrant colors for coho. 
Uh, but in this low, clear water, you definitely want to tone things down a little bit. I don't Same know thing you, on your spinners. I don't know if you saw the press release. We're not getting water yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're never getting water. Cliff again. Mass said no. Yeah. Okay, he just, just straight up said no. So, Kevin, when I bumped into you at, at Skagit Arms, I seemed to notice a nice selection of waterfowl ammo and everything else. Seems like the, the supply chain stuff finally maybe caught up a little bit. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot more ammo, you know, than, than we saw this time last year, for sure. Uh, you know, it's still not every single shot size, uh, but there's, you know, a, a great representation of a product from across the board, you know, whether that's, you know, Kent, Fioki, or Federal. Uh, you know, we got lots of steel shot on hand, so, you know, time to come in and grab some of that stuff and, and go pattern that thing out this weekend and figure out where you're, uh, uh, where you're actually shooting. He's Kevin John, Holiday Sports, of course, Skagit Arms, Holiday Sports, just off Highway 20 on I-5 there in Burlington. Kev, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I'll be in touch, buddy. Sounds good to greet you guys. Thanks, Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Coming up next, the hottest report we heard all week and the techniques you need to succeed. It's Roy Robinson RV's Really? Where? And it's next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports 710 and the Seattle Sports app. No way. you got to be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back. The island is in the lady. Where'd you get him, man? No way. You, you, you gotta tell me. I, I, I'm not gonna tell anybody. Ocean Journey Red. Hey, man, can you tell me where you got him? I'll never put on a life jacket again. Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? Where? Where? RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? time to step up to the number one Winnebago dealer in the Pacific Northwest. Check out RoyRobinsonRV.com. You're going to find a complete lineup of Class A's, Class B's, Super C's, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, tow haulers, pop-ups, campers, trucks, and so much more, including uh, an appearance this week at the, at the Tacoma RV Show. Go check that out at the Tacoma Dome that started out on uh, earlier this week and, and runs through Tuesday the 11th. The Tacoma RV Show, RoyRobinsonRV.com will be there. One week from the hunting opener here in Washington, probably a good week to scout. Yes. Uh, Kevin, John just talked about getting busting up out to binoculars uh, and either getting the boat out on the bay fronts or maybe hiking some of the dikes or something out here and getting a good look out there. You can set up your binocs and see where these birds are hanging out and what they're doing. Uh, if you want to get out on, on the opener next week, this would be a good time to get out and do some scouting, whether it be waterfowl uh, or, you know, get out on the west side and find some of these blacktails. If you can find does right now, don't worry about finding bucks. You're not going to see them anyway. You might see some of the little <laughs> forkies and spikes and stuff, but you, you're probably not going to see many of these mature bucks on the west side with this crazy weather we got. They're nocturnal. You know, you're going to see them in your headlights driving out. You're going to see them in the rhododendron bushes in, in your backyard or down the street here at Starbucks like we, like we did a few years ago, Nelly. <laughs> but really, that, the last four or five <laughs> days of the season is when you want to be yeah, out. For sure. And it, it could be really good the last oh, yeah. four or five days. You know, Especially if, 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 if we get all the weather at once. Yeah, I mean, if we don't have any weather here for another mm-hmm. couple of weeks and then all of a sudden we get some weather, yeah. maybe the last couple of days will be really good. Look, yeah, look so. if you're going big game hunting, go to seattlerifle.org. Just, it's super easy to to get out to the range. Today is the last hunter site and opportunity today and tomorrow before the actual opener. So the range is open today from 10 till 3. They got range safety officers over. These guys live 
to help you spot with spot and scopes and get your gun sighted in. You can shoot at 50 and 100 yards. If you don't have your, your, your weapon on paper, make sure you get out there. It only costs you 15 bucks. For information how to get to this range of Machias, jump on to seattlerifle.org. Today and tomorrow, 10 to 3, Seattle Rifle and Pistol Association of Machias. That's the other thing you want to do this weekend or this week is get out to the range, get everything dialed in. Um, and, and the other thing you could do, too, is pattern your shotgun. It's something that Kevin we've never that. really paid yeah. attention to. Yeah. But, um, you know, talking to Foster Barthlow, world champion, skeet, trap and skeet shooter, he's like, yeah, man, we pattern everything. We get a new shotgun in, we take it out, put it on paper, see what it's doing. Most of them will be okay, but some of them you might see that thing twist into the right sure. or left. A lot of times it's how how hard you tighten that sucker Great down point. when you put it back together. But, it's Joe, you and I patterned our shotguns, yeah. and sure enough, they were off a little bit yeah. to the right or left. And then we re-screwed the cap on. You know, we either had them too loose or too tight or whatever, and, and, and I'm not saying you need to overthink some of this no, stuff, but, but definitely go put it on some paper and see what it's doing. Yeah, if, Just, you're, if, you're, if you're missing a whole bunch, there's a reason, you know. You well, we have pat- other reasons well, that, yeah. you know, at least I um, do anyways. You, you don't. I've and, seen you shoot. But, uh, the other thing is guys will go out and shoot trap or skeet. And they're shooting trap loads all the time. Yeah, for sure. You got to yeah. go tune yourself up yeah. a little bit with that steel shot because yeah. it shoots a lot way different. It yeah. patterns different, yep. a lot faster. Yep. And, uh, and, and a lot of the new loads, too, the new bismuth loads, shoot a lot like the lead that we shot when we were kids. Uh, they're a lot of knockdown. Um, of course, we're shooting those boss loads. They're just compl- they're just a nightmare for waterfowl. But Kent's making bismuth. There's a bunch of bismuth loads out there now that are just lethal, and they hit like lead. They, they you know they get they got a, they're really dense like lead, and, and a lot of knockdown. We're shooting two and three quarter loads now. I can't remember the last time I shot two and three quarter loads for for waterfowl. So I patterned my gun just because I hadn't shot you know since last season. So I was at the shop and I just threw up a uh, I just threw a cardboard box out there mm-hmm. and shot it with the that boss the four six blend mm-hmm. and it's funny you see like these little tiny holes from the sixes and a little bit bigger <laughs> holes but it's there's a lot of shot in yeah. there yeah. I was surprised yeah. I was like holy cow oh, it, it gives you like pretty good confidence you're like man I, I know at 40 yards I got a nice big spread and a lot of coverage you know River anglers, we just had Kevin John on the on the on the show. You got the Skagit right now. It's kind of really the only Puget Sound opportunity you got, but you have Puget Sound itself. If you're not done fishing, I mean, this we got a great weather week right now still, and and the coho fishing and, and, well, and crabbing in Puget Sound is money. But if and you get out trout fishing, get out trout get fishing, get the lake but, boat out. I mean, talking to Dave Johnson over at Kitsap a couple of days ago, I mean, he's just roping trout here on the west, a couple of the west side lakes over in that Kitsap area there. Um, they're planting these lakes again with some nice trout, like one pounders going in a couple lakes over there. Jump on the WDFW website and you can follow along and see which lakes are planting. But, but I know you Kitsap can follow Lake the truck. Sure. You like can follow Dave the truck like Dave does. Yeah, you just follow the truck. He, uh, oh God. He, he put one of those, uh, those internet so bugs on the thing so you can follow the truck around. Well, dad went out too. Okay, yeah. You know, after talking to Dave, dad went to one of the lakes that, that Dave was talking about and got some nice trout. One of them was like 17 inches of big fat I, I mean, ones, so it, these beautiful fall afternoons, yeah. but, but, uh, but I just looked at some some of the ocean conditions out of Westport. And I know this is out in the weeds and, and, and kind of crazy, but you know, it's still the tuna thing is still going on out there. If you're, if you're absolutely dying, you haven't made your tuna run yet. Get a hold of, get a hold of Mark Coleman and the guys out at uh, salt, all uh, saltwater and um, 
what is it? All, all rivers and saltwater charters. Yeah. yeah. All rivers and saltwater charters. Pretty charters. much everything fishing. We should yeah. just call his, the name of his company everything fishing because so, they do it all. And yeah, they, they do. They're good, man. And and as long as this this warm ocean stays out front of Westport, it's a you know 35, 40 mile run offshore. Yeah. But jump in there and you're going to load. Be, it's it's amazing. And of course, and they got that short build spearfish, which is a, yeah. a you know a, a cousin of the marlin. Yeah, while you're out there, you get some razor clamps. Oh, it opens sure. today, good. runs yeah. through the 14th. Yeah, great call. Yeah. Great call. Tons of clamps I'm out there. Thinking about skipping hunting and just going to the beach getting yeah. clams. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know you're lying. No, he's not. Pinocchio. He's lying, yeah. lying through his um, teeth. I tell you what. Going to be an interesting opener, though. I mean, doggone it. This, this weather is just not playing into the hunter's hands. So Don't you know. think you're going to go out to your your normal duck spot no. and think it's going to work. No. You know, that's this is a year when you kind of you have to scout. Definitely. No question about it. Missing the show, jump on mynorthwest.com, uh, theoutdoorline.com will have a uh, section podcast. You can also download that Apple uh, podcast app. Give us a follow on social media at Rob Ensley, at Joe Pyburn on Instagram, at the Outdoor Line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. For Matt Nelson behind the glass, Rob Ensley, Joey Pyburn, I'm Tom Nelson. This has been the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app.